In this episode of the Boost Health Podcast, you will hear... So, so, you know, what I needed to do is kind of strip away a few layers there and say, look, you know, let's create an environment that's authentic, that's, that's built around something that, that we have a shared interest in. Um, and if you've ever tried to t- change a culture within an organization, you know it's like uh, trying to make an aircraft carrier do a U-turn. It's pretty, pretty challenging. Yeah I, I, yeah, I get a bit emotional about the whole thing because, you know, like I said, the, the platforms are great for finding people, to follow things up, to organize, to go and do something. But don't sit back and think that, well, I've made a connection to Paul and that's it. You know, yeah. We're friends now. So you know, let, let's, let's invest a bit more of ourselves in, in one another. And I think we, we'll find something pretty special there. Have you seen any of your ICE connections make it so that they could commute together outside of the ICE events, like whether they're like meeting somewhere and cycling into work or riding home or anything like that? Find your balance. 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 Searching for more wellness balance is our goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 36 of the show. I'm Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. On the Boost Health Podcast, we cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts, and we give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic and it surprised you in how well it worked? Those are what we are trying to uncover here. Thank you all so much for spreading the word about the show if you think somebody might enjoy it. And please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast app or on the Boost Health Facebook page. Q&A. If you want to ask a question to be answered on the show, just click on the green Ask Paul button. It's found on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. So for this week, I'm taking a question that we were actually discussing on the hub on the unfound cycling platform. A few of the cyclists were reintroducing weight training in their off season and were wondering about how to get rid of dreaded delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS for short. Now there's a lot to be learned about with DOMS and not only what causes it, but also how to prevent it and how to treat it. Brandon Roberts actually wrote a really nice article on the Stronger by Science website in 2016 that addressed DOMS and the research around some of these questions. And some of the key takeaways included to not use soreness as a marker for how effective your workout was, which I think some of us do sometimes. Um, High amounts of soreness is the body saying it's not capable of repairing all the damage. Numerous complex events can cause soreness, including a new workout or exercise. And supplements such as caffeine and omega-3s can help with soreness. I think the main factor in off-season training 
is that it is off-season training. <laughs> it has a beginning and an end, and it really shouldn't. Strength training should be done year-round. Now, the intensity and the exercise choices can and should be periodized around the athlete's other disciplines so it complements them rather than competes with them. For example, you would not have an athlete do a one rep max on squats and deadlifts the day before a big race, but the athlete can and should do squats and deadlifts all through their season at variable intensity. The key is consistency. If you do it for a week and then take two weeks off and then back on strength training for two weeks and then off for one and so on, you're going to experience a lot more DOMS than if you're consistent with it all year. Now, anecdotally, I prioritize strength training for myself, as most of you probably know, and I get three days of full body training in each week year round. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, strength training days, don't miss them. On Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sundays, I'll do some sort of aerobic work like cycling, running, swimming, hiking, etc. On a rare occasion, I'll be a little sore from the workout from the previous day, but most of the time it doesn't even cross my mind. That's the truth, and that's just because my body's adapted to it. And it's not because, believe me, it's not because I didn't work hard during my strength workout. Now, I also enjoy a little bit of black coffee before my workout, so perhaps that is helping with the soreness based on the aforementioned research. Either way, the key takeaway, in my opinion, based on what we know from the research, is to be consistent with your strength training. Yes, even for my endurance athlete friends. This way you can avoid the reintroductory period of soreness every single time. Again, if you have a question you want to hear answered on the show, just click on the green Ask Paul button on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. Announcements. Two shows per week. Yes, you may have noticed shows getting released at a faster rate recently, and I'm pleased that we're getting enough guests and content now. I'm able to produce multiple shows per week for Boost Health. Now, we're going to start with two shows per week like we've been doing the last few weeks. We're going to see how that goes. Uh, And we've got lots of great guests coming up. So I'm really excited for the future of the show. And so thank you all so much for listening in. Boost Health TV has launched. Yes, as you hear this, the first episode of the Boost Health podcast is live on the Boost Health TV YouTube channel. Um, And I'll link to this in the show notes and blog if you want to check it out. And as I mentioned before, I thought it'd be neat when I have a guest live in the room with me to do a video of the show in case folks want to watch us. And if there's an opportunity for us to do a demonstration on a topic, we can do that. Um, So please check it out and let me know your thoughts. I'm really interested to hear what you think about the video version of the show. Newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the weekly boost newsletter, then that is just sad. That is really sad. You need to get with the program and you can do so. It's really easy. Just put your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. This way you don't miss any boost health news. All right. Now on with the program. In this episode of the Boost Health Podcast, I am joined by Ryan O'Neill, the founder of International Cycling Executives, or ICE. In part one of our discussion, we're going to talk about how and why Ryan found the need for senior executives to connect in a more authentic fashion, how to create, change, and cultivate a culture, why we should invest a bit more of ourselves into one another, and the explosion of cycle commuting. Okay, here is part one with Ryan O'Neill. Filter, my favorite word. That's my word yeah. of the day. Word pop of the filter. day. Yeah, pop, pop filter. filter. 
Well, we talked a few shows ago with Jules from Unfound, the, the founder of Unfound, about how cycling is being touted in some circles as the new golf. Cycling is the new golf, especially for business executives. And a few of the reasons we noted this as a possibility are bike sales are going up worldwide and golf club memberships are going the other direction. Um, and then, you know, the community around cycling is just really, really supportive. Not to say it isn't with golf, but it's, it just seems to be extra supportive with cycling. And, you know, cycling is just easy to fit into a busy schedule. You're not necessarily stuck to some tea time. So those are the, you know, basic reasons we thought it might be changing. But the truth is I really enjoy golf and cycling. So, you know, I think Jules said it perfectly. The, a great day would be, you know, where you could golf a little bit and, and cycle a little bit. Um, but that said, it's intriguing to think about why some executives are starting to take their meetings from the green to two wheels. So my guest today should be able to help us understand why this is happening. His name is Ryan O'Neill. He's the founder of International Cycling Executives, or ICE. And in case you're not familiar with ICE, it's a quickly growing organization focused on connecting like-minded senior executives. Now, the way they help these senior execs connect is the unique and exciting part. It's all through cycling. They have realized people really enjoy making new business connections while riding and can truly help them grow both professionally and personally. And it seems the reason for this is the quality of the connection. Now, before we dive into ICE, let's hear a bit more about Ryan. Having spent almost 15 years as a professional athlete, Ryan's sporting background has evolved from an accomplished UK-based 400-meter runner to a seasoned ITU triathlete before retiring from elite competition as an Australian-based cyclist. During this transformational career, Ryan competed in national, regional, and international series across these sports, culminating in appearances at World Championships and Commonwealth Games. In the latter part of this journey, Ryan combined his professional sporting agenda with a position in an organizational consulting firm, where he intimately understood that the primary drivers for senior executives were perfectly aligned to the most successful elite athletes. And as a result, he started ICE in 2012 in Sydney, Australia, and today there are ICE communities across Australia, Asia, and Europe. ICE communities have enabled genuine friendships as well as profitable business ventures for members and partners across the globe. So thank you for joining the show today, Ryan. I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, no problem, Paul. It's great, great to be here. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to come in and share with the guys a little bit about ICE and what we've been doing. All right, so Ryan, tell us a bit more about ICE and how it all started. Yeah, thanks. So, look, uh, I think uh, it's great that um, you know someone like Jaws and, and yourself are really sort of, I guess, starting to talk about uh, how you're seeing or observing that uh, cycling is becoming this, uh, I guess, platform for people to connect and, and build relationships. And and I think you know again, your observation of the the fact that executives are doing that is definitely something that uh, you know we've been really fortunate to to explore over the last couple of years. Maybe just to go back though a little bit uh, to give you a bit of a, a story, uh, you know, I guess from from where we've come from, which probably explains a little bit more about why we're doing what we're doing. So once I retired from from that uh, that sporting career that you talked about, you know, I realised I was a bit too old and a bit too slow. Uh, I made a transition across into the corporate world, and uh, I guess that observation really quickly enabled me to 
meet with many senior executives. I, I went to work for a big consulting company. My role was to go out and, and sell these big transformational change programs. Hmm. And you know, what that meant was you know, meeting lots of executives and, and understanding you know, what their businesses were doing and, and how we could support them. And, and really quickly, I noticed this, uh, I, I guess, this, this desire for, for people to connect and talk about what I used to do, which was the, the, the triathlon and the cycling and so forth. And it wasn't about me. It was actually really about the fact that they were starting to do some of this stuff. So okay. they, were, they were training for a bike ride or their, their partner, their, their, their wife or their husband was training for a half marathon or their kids were doing a, a small triathlon at the weekend. And what did I think? And, you know, I think personally, I was then sort of trying to get the conversation back to business because that was what I was there for, not to talk about the stuff that I used to do. And I think after a little while, I sort of made this observation that, actually, you know, these people actually want to connect personally. You know, this is actually really just a bridge to be able to have a conversation that has a bit more substance to it, a bit more depth, really. And so I just let the conversations flow. And and over the course of, I guess, 12 months, I made some amazing relationships, uh, you know, friendships, perhaps. And, and decided that I, I'd sort of take a, a, a punt, as we like to say in Australia, and, and mm. grab a bunch of the guys and girls and, and go for a bike ride and just enable them to, to do what I did, which was connect with one another around this, this shared interest. And like I said earlier, you know, there was a bit of a, a range there from, from running through, through to triathlon, but cycling was the main thing. And, and I guess, you know, we went for a bike ride, we had some breakfast, and I told a few war stories from from uh, from the days gone by. The older we get, Paul, you know, the better we were. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, there, there was just this you know this great energy in the room, and and one of the one of the guys, in fact, who was the CFO of one of the big banks in in Australia, pulled me aside and said, "Hey, look, you're really onto something with this. You know, let's keep going." I, I knew most of these guys before this bike ride, but I didn't know they had this shared interest. And and you know, literally within 20 minutes of riding a bike, you know, we're connecting on a. On a a completely different level and and so i guess over the course of the next 12 months or so i, I continued to build that community up while i had a full-time job and, and and i get i just had more and more requests from people saying hey you've got to do more of this stuff this is amazing and and i could really see i guess that the difference you know in during that time i went to a lot of networking drinks and lots of networking functions and i, I made this real easy observation that everything was inauthentic you know, we were creating these artificial environments and putting people in them and putting a drink in their hand and saying, hey, go out there and meet people. <laughs> and, and, you know, to be honest, most senior executives, you know, if, if, they'll find a corner in a round room. You know, they don't really <laughs> want to talk to anybody, right? right? So, so you know, what I needed to do is kind of strip away a few layers there and say, look, you know, let's create an environment that's authentic, that's, that's built around something that, that we have a shared interest in. It could have been anything, really. But, uh, you know, I guess cycling, you know, just became that obvious opportunity and 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 I think you know from there you know we've now grown the the business to to be uh, in five countries now or five cities I should say uh, across sort of three or four core countries, and you know the the, the expansion plans you know are set to roll into the US uh, and across mainland Europe. You know, we're already in the UK, um, and I guess all of this has been driven by that community. You know from from the very first ride we did with those ten members. They've talked to people and so on, and, that, and that's now grown out to, to be a community of a thousand members globally who've been approved. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you know, the key component for us to make this successful is predominantly we're, we're, we're looking to try and focus on those senior executives. And we can talk a little bit later about why that that is. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's a community that, that is probably overlooked in terms of some of the other aspects of what we could think of as health. So the emotional side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should just talk about, you said it could be anything, but I think there's something about cycling. You know, I think that 
maybe it would have worked if it would have been, you know, movie watching club or something like that with, with senior execs and, you know, a, a certain genre, but, but there's something about cycling. I mean, clearly you and I both love it and all, all your folks in ice love it, but you know, I was talking, I, I got to go to an event last night, a nice event. And uh, we were just having a chat about cycling. It, like, why do we love cycling? It's just a, it's a great way for one to see a city, you know, um, you're, you're not going as fast as you are in a car <laughs> most of the time, yeah, unless you're yeah. descending down one of these big I've mountains. I've seen you descend down some hills, Paul. It's so. very slow. Yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> But, you know, there's, it's just a great way to see a city, but you can also still, you know, ride at a conversational pace. You can enjoy exercise and, and cover a lot of ground, more ground than you would necessarily walking or running. Um, so I just, I think that combining it with cycling was, it was just a really smart move. And I think it, just a lot of people yeah. really enjoy it. I think you, you, you know, you said a word earlier on, which was the social component, you know, and, you know, the, the. The, the truth is that there's very few other sports or activities that you can do that you can actually be exercising and have a conversation. True, And yeah. not only do that, but do it with multiple people. And, and you know, I think cycling is very conducive to the fact that, you know, you, you can be outside. Yeah, it, it takes time as well. You know, I think if you're thinking of calorie consumption, you know, you're, uh, I'm sure that a three-hour bike ride is probably only the equivalent of a 45-minute or an hour run perhaps. But... Yeah, you know, to your point, I think it's the it's the exploration. You know, you're seeing different things, but I, I I do truly believe that it's that community. And many many people I know that ride a bike, they love the bike riding component. Whether they're pushing themselves to 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 beat a PB or training for a world championships, perhaps, all the way through to you know just getting out and riding their first ten miles or ten kilometers. And, and but a core component of that is who they do it with. You know, and I think doing it is interesting and, and engaging, but who you do it with is, is really the richer part of it. And for those of your listeners that, uh, you know, go to a coffee shop that any cyclists frequent, you know, they'll notice that, that, you know, a lot of those guys and girls are there almost as long as they are out on the bike. <laughs> yes. And, yes. and you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real, I guess, part of the culture in cycling is, is actually that ability to come back and have a conversation and be with other people. And, and I guess, you know, the release of the endorphins, throwing a bit of caffeine, you know, you've got this great uh, energy and buzz that, that happens as a, as a result of it. So for us to capture and harness that, they're kind of magic ingredients, you know? Yeah. I, that's my favorite ride of the week is the Saturday ride because it usually includes a, a coffee stop somewhere along the way. And yeah, and it's, it's, you know, with cycling too, you usually have some sort of story, you know, even if it was just a, an hour ride into coffee, something along the way, maybe help somebody up a hill or, you know, had a little fun race, you know, down a straightaway or something like that. There's, there's usually something to share, maybe not from that ride, but from an earlier ride or, or something with, with, with business as well. So it's, it's just an easy way. And like you said, a, a perfect combination with, with coffee and, and cycling. Well, I want to talk a little bit about culture. Um, y'all have created an amazing culture with, with ice. And it makes me think about, I used to work in population health management and we would, we would look at these big companies, a risk profiles. We would get a whole bunch of aggregate data and look to see what their company was at risk for, for, you know, diabetes or uh, obesity or whatever. And one of the things we would uh, also try to do if, if they asked us to, was to help them build a culture of wellness. Um, and if you've ever tried to change a culture within an organization, you know, it's like uh, trying to make a aircraft carrier do a U-turn. It's pretty, pretty challenging. 
And, and one of the things you absolutely have to have is, you know, top down support. You have to have the senior executives, the C-suite folks buy into the program, promote the program and exemplify the program. If, if they're not doing it, nobody else is really going to do it. So I wonder if you have any stories since you've, you know, been working with these C-suite folks for so long, if you can think of any stories where you've had some changes in like the cultural wellness of an organization based on their participation with, with ICE. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, there, there's, there's multiple uh, examples of that. But, uh, you know, there, there's a couple really that, that stand out to, to mind for me. You know, one, one of those in particular is um, the, the, the regional president for Vodafone in, in Asia, in, in, based out of Singapore. Yeah, he, he was an ICE member. He was one of our partners, so one of our sort of uh, sponsors. Um, and, and he really understood the value of cycling as a way to connect with other people, hence becoming on as a partner. And I think there was a component of him that, you know, was very conscious of the fact that, hey, look, we're sponsoring or we're partnering with this, with this organization with very specific outlined business objectives. But as a cyclist, I can see how this might be perceived as my hobby, you know, and, and I'm spending business money on my hobby. And so I think, you know, he, he recognized at that point that, you know, what he knew that cycling did for him or what being healthy perhaps did for him was enable him to meet a whole range of new people who are also a bit like him. So, you know, I guess he sort of set out uh, with a bit of an agenda to, to enable people within his organization to come for a bike ride with him. And, you know, the, a lot of these organizations, as you, as you talked about earlier on, they're very hierarchical, you know, that being able to spend time with the number one guy or girl that's running that organization is, you know, treated as, as being you know, a bit of a privilege, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so, you know, he always made a, a, an open opportunity to anyone uh, once he started, you know, working with us at ICE, to, to any of his team to say, hey, anyone that wants to go for a ride with me, every Friday I'm going to go for a ride. And, you know, you're welcome. And it doesn't matter how fast you ride or what you wear or what bike you have. We're just going to go for a ride and have a coffee afterwards. Oh, I love that. And, and you know, the, the, I remember sort of the first time he did it. I, I was in town and, and you know, we hosted, I don't know, maybe half a dozen people. We went for a ride and the only coffee shop open, ironically, was McDonald's. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we stopped in and, and drank whatever that is that they serve in there that <laughs> looks like coffee. But, you know, straight away you could see there was a little bit of nervousness, you know, a bit of a, uh, apprehension at the beginning on everyone thinking, you know, this guy's going to be really fast and ride off. And, and, and he did an amazing job of spending time with, with everybody. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the half a dozen or so people that, uh, that went out for that ride then went back and talked to, to everybody else and said, oh, I just got to spend some time with the boss today. That was oh, great. Cool. And, and then, you know, over time that community grew and, and I don't think that it was necessarily about uh, cycling. You know, I think it was just about, like we talked about earlier, you know, spending time together and building those relationships. We're doing it by, by riding a bike and being healthy and outdoors, but that's a bit of a side benefit for the social component that, that it is that they're, that they're doing. And so by stealth, you know, what he did was create a culture of people that really cared passionately about doing things together that were physical. And, and, you know, those two components, you know, are very, very important. I think, you know, they kind of accelerate the social component if you're doing something in a healthy environment. And so, you know, within six months, there was a, a riding club within Vodafone. There was a running club within Vodafone, a walking club within Vodafone. And they would all meet on a Friday morning, go off and do their thing, ride, run, walk. And they'd all come back to the same place. And, and it was just an amazing time 
uh, the, the guy's now moved on to, to the UK, but it was an amazing time to watch him change the culture from people that were perhaps very focused on, you know, perhaps more of the traditional ways of hanging out, you know, in bars and restaurants and so forth. Uh, and and people getting up early and going out and enjoying it and and it's still a culture that's you know emanating today i was i was there last week and i didn't get to go for a ride with them but i saw them out riding together in their branded kits you know go, going out there and connecting and and, and it was a, a truly special thing to witness you know and and, and to see it continuing has, has been amazing that is so cool i just i love that story um and you know i don't know if this was an objective of his or not but whether he wanted it to be he absolutely showed what it's like to be a leader. I mean, if he would have said, all right, let's meet out here on a Friday and then dropped everybody or dropped even anybody, that's not really a good sign of a leader. You know, nobody left behind. And that's why it took off because they got to spend time with the senior executive and he played a leadership role and made sure that everybody was taken care of. And, and I think to, you know, just to extenuate that a little bit further, you know, the, 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 I mentioned at the beginning there that, you know, a lot of people perhaps might have perceived him or Vodafone's support of ICE as being kind of a personal thing. Mm -hmm. You know, almost overnight, everybody understood, hey, this is fantastic. I can be outside, I can be active and healthy, and I can make some really great relationships. The conversations I'm having are much richer than they would be in the office. You know, I'm actually now, you know, meeting my colleague and building these personal relationships because we're doing something that's different. And, you know, it's, it's not in a, an indoor confined environment. You know, the possibilities are endless. And, and I think, you know, that, that sort of enabled him to be able to talk about, well, you know, we, this is what we're looking to do by supporting ICE is to meet other people like me in this environment. And I build these great relationships. So, you know, it was a, a beautiful circle that kind of, you know, helped him explain what ICE is about to his team, but create this culture that in turn then want to feed and actually support him doing things within ICE. You know, they, they realized what it was. So it's, uh, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. You couldn't ask for, you know, a better leader in that situation. All right. Well, one of the things that, you know, hopefully is resonating with people as we talk about ICE is the quality of connections, you know, and, we talked about this. We went on a ride yesterday <laughs> um, together and Ryan was kind enough to to go slow. And I was in the red at heart rate at 180 something and you were chatting, uh, not even out of breath. But, you know, something we talked about was like, if you look at what's happening on social media today, you know, getting a connection. Um, Instagram is one that comes to mind for me where, you know, everybody's trying to build this audience, build an audience, build an audience. And they're just looking at the number of followers that they have. And so I, you know, noticed, you know, when I'm on Instagram, I start seeing um, somebody new follow me. Oh, great. Got a new follower. Cool. You know, must be doing something right with Boost Health or whatever. And then uh, within hours, I'm dropped. I'm no longer followed. And I'm like, okay, that's not a very authentic, real connection. Um, so what you all are doing, I think is fantastic because if you leave ice with five new connections, those are actually presumably people that you're really getting to know and that you are going to potentially do business with. Like if I've got five followers on Instagram versus, you know, and that I'll do business with versus 150 that I'll never even do business with or talk to, that's, it's a much more important connection, right? 
And, and I think, yeah, you know, perhaps a, a better example in in uh, in our context, perhaps, are platforms like LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so, so LinkedIn is this is this business community, if you if you want to call it that, or, or it's a platform where people exist, and, and you know they they make connections. Yeah, you know, they they use the term connection. And and look, you know, I built a business off the back of LinkedIn, so I'm I'm not suggesting that that it's not a good tool. But yeah, you know, in the context of making a connection, yeah, you know, we often use the, this term in eyes called real. You know, we're very focused on real or authentic. I guess is another way of saying what you're talking about, and. and you know, I, I guess I made an observation, particularly with, with one of our members, very early on in the piece. And 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 this particular guy was uh, the head of technology for a big bank, and yeah, you know, they'd just been through this huge transformation program, spent billions and billions of dollars. Lots of different organisations were involved in that, software companies and 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 so forth. And so he was the most popular guy in town. Yeah, he couldn't walk down the street without people coming up to him and having a chat to him and saying, "Hey, how are you? Good to see you." You know. And he was invited to all the best stuff and over to the US and, and launches and everything else. Anyway, he, he finished the project and, and you know, as, as so often happens, you know, they then bring in a different leadership team to kind of maintain the great stuff that's been done. Right. And, and so you know, he, he wasn't working. He was on cycling leave, as we like to call it. And, uh, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, he needed to start thinking about, oh, I need to probably put myself in the market to, to see what else is out there. And, and of course, you know, the phone didn't ring. You know, and... and yeah, it, 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 he wasn't as popular as, as, he, as he was previously. And, and probably it was a, there was a reflection for him too to also realize, hey, you know what? Probably didn't spend a lot of time making some real connections. You know, mm-hmm. that, that period of time was really a lot about getting some stuff done. And I felt great because everybody wanted to talk to me. But, you know, it was about something. It wasn't about me. It was about what I was trying to achieve. And, and I think, you know, in many ways, I'm, I'm, I'm anti social media platforms because because they're all about followers and friends and connections and most of the time people don't spend any time together you know the irony of this is we're building a technology platform but i guess the difference for me is the technology platform that we're investing in is about uh, creating the connections so as the physical interaction can happen there's something here between you and i having a conversation i can look across the room here see your body language you know, really understand and connect with you. And, and I, I think that, you know, the technology or, or these platforms are moving us into a, an area where the, the, the authenticity of the connection is lost. And, and so consequently, people are chasing numbers, like you said earlier on. I, yeah. I remember a while ago, I, I was in a position where I had a sales team and I used to say to the guys, you know, so how, how, what's your relationship profile like? You know, what, who, who do you know in the market? And yeah, they were always quick to fire back. Oh, I've got over 500, uh, 500 connections on LinkedIn. <laughs> and and you know, one test I've always said to people is, look, you know, here's a test. When you have a job, when you have a particularly our members, you know, when you're the CXO of a big organization, you know, you make five hundred phone calls, you'll have five hundred people call you back. You know, you leave five hundred messages, they'll all call you back. You leave five hundred messages when you no longer have that role. You see how many people call you back. Yeah, and the same thing applies yeah. to friends, right? So. You know, they're, they're your friends. You know, they're, they're, if you might have a thousand friends on Facebook. If you call them all up and leave a message and say, hey, I've got a problem. Can you give me a call back? You see how many friends call you back. Yeah. And that, that person that calls you back and says, hey, what's wrong? Without knowing what the issue is, to say, hey, how can I help? That's a friend. And, and forget everybody else that Facebook tells you is a friend. They're not friends. It's just a digital connection. It means nothing. So I think, you know, my purpose in life perhaps in some ways is about creating this platform to enable these people to make these relationships real you know give them some substance riding a bike is a great way to go and do that but but ultimately it's about making that relationship real so 
yeah, I, I, yeah, I get a bit emotional about the whole thing because, you know, like I said, the, the platforms are great for finding people, to follow things up, to organize, to go and do something. But don't sit back and think that, well, I've made a connection to Paul and that's it. You know, yeah. We're friends now. So, you know, let, let's, let's invest a bit more of ourselves in, in one another. And I think we, we'll find something pretty special there. So, so I'm interested in this platform. I know you're still in the development phase of it. Um, is it, it, it sounds like it's really just going to complement what you're already doing. So we'll make a connection at an ice event and then we can go back and connect on the platform and just stay in touch virtually until we can see each other again. Is that kind of a the little idea? Bit, yeah. And, and you know, we, we're, we're fortunate to work with some, some amazing organizations who are bringing some expertise in, into the platform, but you know, it's very much focused at our community. So, so we've, you know, our member base and, and it, what it's doing, I guess, principally is enabling our members to to see one another. So who else is in within the community? Oh, nice. And and let me create a list, a wish list, if you want to call it that way, of people that I'd like to ride with or I'd like to meet at some point. They might mean something to me professionally. There may be someone there I really want to connect with because they're in the same industry or they have the same role or whatever it might be. Uh, or, or you know, the other component is you know, we, we have a, a, a pool from Strava, which is obviously an amazing platform which enables us to, to have an analytical view of their cycling ability. Mm, so right. uh, over time, our, our predictive uh, component of the platform will enable our members to connect with, with other people who are a bit like them. It, it could be that somebody arrives in, in New York and the app will enable them to say, hey, Paul, welcome to New York. This, here's three members within the ICE community that you might want to go for a ride with. And oh, it'll slick. use the predictive analytics of your history to say, you know, you like to ride with people or, you know, who a disability based on your riding ability. And we know that your business profile, the people that you're, you're interested in meeting look a bit like this. So it actually starts to, to suggest people that you might want to go for a ride with and the ability to book a bike and rent and all that sort of stuff, but also to create a ride, to actually enable them to say, hey, let's go for a ride for 40K around Central Park, leaving at this point, coming back to, to this coffee shop. So actually plan the, the, the ride ahead of time and, and then invite other members to, to participate on that ride too. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Do you guys have an idea of when you're going to try to launch well, that? Well, we're, we're in sort of beta now. So there are probably mm. about 300 members within the community that have access to the app and, oh, and are cool. using it. Um, yeah, like and with all these things, you know, you've got to kind of keep testing and learning and testing and learning. Mm -hmm. So ready fire aim yeah ready fire aim exactly yeah I like that. yeah so so we've we've we fired uh, and, now, and now we're trying to work out the aim bit but yeah, yeah i think the most interesting thing to me is you know when i talk to members about that you you, you see their eyes widen you know i was talking to somebody last night and he travels a bit to Kuala Lumpur and, and he was saying oh, i'd love to connect with people when i when i get up there there's just no one really for me to ride with and i'd love to meet ice people up there so, well, you know, we've got an app and, you know, you can connect with members. And we sat there for a couple of minutes and you could see his eyes widen and go, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, like, uh, now, there's a difference between people thinking something's great and doing something with it. Right. You know? and, right. and that's the difference, you know. So, so, look, you know, I think, but I guess the point I'm making here is whilst all these other technology platforms are principally about making the connection, yeah, I want to go beyond that. I actually want to physically make the interaction. Right. You know? and, and I think the physical interaction, whether it's a ride, whether it's just a cup of coffee but but you know having the the time to to, to be with someone yeah i think that's really where the the value is i want to talk about um cycle commuting my last show or two shows ago i guess it was i i call him this the king of cycle commuting uh it's a friend of mine back in kansas in the u.s and if you're not familiar with the weather in the midwest uh in the u.s you get all seasons and all extremes of each season and so he has been 
cycle commuting for over eight years, um, pretty much every workday, uh, <laughs> all through the all through the year. And so he's got some pretty amazing stories and all the gear and everything. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a neat neat episode. You have to listen if you haven't heard it. But what I'd like to know from you, Ryan, is one of the things we talked about is that cycle commuting the health benefits of it. I think it's easy to study because it's, there's less variables because people do it fairly often. Usually the health benefits are astounding, like reduced all cause mortality and reduced cancer, um, obviously increased cardiovascular ability. So have you seen any of your ice connections make it so that they could commute together outside of the ice events, like whether they're like meeting somewhere and cycling into work or riding home or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, yeah, lots of, lots of stories and examples. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there's a few sort of things that spring to mind, particularly when you're talking about commuting, you know, a lot of people probably don't know that, uh, you know, I believe it's Strava's second biggest revenue stream or certainly for a long time has been, uh, from, uh, I guess, government, uh, organizations or, or local councils that, that are, have the ability to to acquire the Strava data and and what they're doing with that Strava data is actually looking at the heat maps to see where people are, are riding and and you know some indication of numbers not everybody who's commuting is using Strava perhaps most people aren't but there's enough there that they can see the corridors of where people are riding or where they're riding from and the destinations where they're riding to so what that enables those organizations uh, the, the councils to do or, or the the governments in this case is to do some some amazing urban planning to make sure that they're creating the corridors that are relevant to, to those commuters. And, and I think that, uh, you know, cycle commuting is only getting bigger. You know, I live in Sydney and, and it's a pretty hilly place. And with the advent of things like electric bikes and, and so forth and the cost of those coming down over time, yeah, I think we're going to see more and more people riding in. As a consequence of that, we, we run a, a format called you know, with, with the Bunch. So, you know, coming, bring our members together. A lot of our sessions are breakfast with the bunch or a ride before work, particularly in Australia. And you know, we encourage members to, uh, to come together and ride. And I talked a little bit about that app earlier on where we have that, the, um, the home base area of, of each member. So again, when we're suggesting members that you may want to go for a ride with, it'll tell you that there's a, there's a member that lives around the corner from you. Oh, nice. So, so all of a sudden, you can now not just plan to, to go for a ride. You can decide, hey, listen, I'm going to commute in on a Wednesday. Do you fancy doing that with me? And that we're seeing this happening more and more now. And, and so we organize with our bunch sessions at what we call uh, a bike bus. So you know, essentially, a bunch of members getting together, normally pretty early in the morning, five o'clock, and then riding from wherever they live into where, the, into where our, our sessions might be held. And because they then make those connections on the way in, you know, they then start saying, well, I'm off into the office afterwards, as many of them do. And then say, well, we should ride back together. And oh, so nice. we, we've, we're noticing as a, as a result of that. And, and particularly, I, I, uh, I was with one of our members last week who's the, um, the Asia Pacific uh, CEO of JLL, the big property company. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he was telling me, you know, particularly while on the subject of commuting, just the, the sheer volume of requirements for tenants. So JLL, you know, for those people that don't know, you know, they're, they're a, they're, they'll manage properties for the property owner, but they'll also you know, help tenants find property space for right. them to move into. And, and the requirement for end of trip facilities for cycling is just going through the roof. Hmm. And, and, and so consequently, a lot of new buildings or a lot of existing buildings are converting car spaces, car floors, to, to become change and end of trip facilities. So it's, cycling commuting is something that is getting bigger and bigger 
uh, yeah, it's very different from the racing and and the and the lycra wearers that are out there, <laughs> uh, you know. But it, it's a thing, and and I think that uh, you know, like I said, we, you know, we we deal with the leaders and the influencers in in the corporate world, and obviously they're already bought in. Yeah, and and it's uh, we talked a bit earlier on about how they can create that culture. So the next step beyond that is then having the facilities to do it. Okay, we will stop there for part one with a cliffhanger for part two, the final episode with Ryan. Now make sure to listen in to part two where Ryan and I discuss the third space as a transition from work to home, engaging in real connections with people and their first name, not their title, speed dating on bikes, doing something for the first time more, and how Ryan finds his balance. Don't miss it. I've had you for a long time, Ryan. I want to get you out of here. I know you've got a meeting to, to get to. You've got a hard stop. Four so meetings these days. Right? I, re- I really appreciate your time. <laughs> Before we let you go, let's make sure people know how to learn more about ICE. Can you point people in the sure. right direction? So, so like uh, like every, every company these days, we've got a website. So, uh, cycl- so www.cyclingexecs.com. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're sort of... Uh, on all of the the, the normal uh, uh, Instagram and, and social channels that I just bagged out earlier on, and, <laughs> until they pull the feed, and all of a sudden we got nothing anymore. So yeah. you know, the, the same sort of acronym on on Facebook and uh, and Twitter and and, and Instagram. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, I think that hopefully you'll sort of hear more and more about us in a lot of publications. So yeah, I think that the, the one takeaway for me for people is you know whether it's uh, for themselves in, in, and they're the profile of members that we're looking at and, and again you know, I think I've sort of uh, outlined what that is or, or they've they've got friends or family that, that might be and, and they think that you know what riding a bike with a bunch of other people to, to kind of help them make some connections outside of that workspace but in that work uh, mental, mentality yeah, feel feel free to refer them through, you know, and, and pass this along because you know it's a it's an amazing community that uh, that we're very privileged to be looking after. And I often say to our members, this isn't my community. Yeah, this is your community. Right. So without you, I have nothing. You know, I've got a bunch of sponsors that want to, you know, work with me to help create something, and there's no one there. So you know, right. it's their community. I, I'm just a custodian, and I'm trying to evolve it. And and I and yeah, we're we're still growing. So any referrals are definitely welcome. Okay. Well, thank you very much. So thank you all so much for listening to the show. Also, thank you so much to my friend Ryan O'Neill for joining the show. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in your favorite podcast app. Follow my workouts and Boost Health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for My Boost Health. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything, along with more motivation and information. So until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Ryan O'Neill saying goodbye and find find your your balance. balance.